This is Mental Health and You with WCPA. We're your hosts, Taylor Kennedy, Caitlin Schaefer, and Jacqueline Simplecamp. Our podcast covers mental health topics for you. From us, licensed mental health professionals. Let's get to this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mental Health and You. Thank you for tuning into the podcast for this week's episode. Like we mentioned in our last episode, this week we have a special guest interview for you all. Jen Van Leuven is here with us today for an interview exploring divorce and more specifically co-parenting. Thanks so much for joining us, Jen. It's definitely a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. Of course. We truly are just so appreciative of your time. But before we really dive into this week's topic, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and your role at WCPA? Sure. So I am the assistant director and I have been with West County for 16 years. My primary focus in my therapy is with high conflict families, families who are divorced, children who are going through divorce with their parents, co-parenting, parent coordination, and I do mediation as well. You are definitely perfect for this topic. And, you know, a large part of our podcast and the core of really why we truly started it is to facilitate conversation and destigmatize talking about mental health. So the three of us know that you share in this passion and you love mental health. But for our listeners who maybe don't know you, will you tell us a little bit about why you are so passionate about mental health? So I went into the field of social work after I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I had no idea what the field of social work was until I decided I didn't like teaching, but I wanted to do something to help people. So when I was an undergraduate, I had a great counselor who said social work might be perfect. So I looked into it and decided that it would really be a lot of fun to help people. So I really started out in community mental health and then moved to private practice when I found that doing a little bit more focus in a particular area was a lot more fulfilling. Jen, I didn't know that you started out wanting to be a teacher. That's actually was my route and going into college as well. And then I transitioned. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't every little girl want to be a teacher? Like I I think so. Um, It was not once I got into it wasn't for me. I wanted something that was, was a little bit different. So So then you said you went and did something more specific, but what made you so passionate about serving those impacted by divorce? You know, from a personal standpoint, I went through a divorce about 13 years ago, which ended up being very, very high conflict. And I saw how it impacted my kids. And I really wanted to find some solutions on how kids were not going to be so impacted and ways that maybe parents could be a little bit more cooperative with each other so kids aren't as impacted. So I started meeting with some family law attorneys and they I did a, a course in certification for mediation so that I could do mediated divorces for people who were in complete agreement. And it seemed so easy to sit down and just make your decisions. And then I, I looked into and was directed toward co-parenting and parent coordination. And I really, really enjoyed it because it gave me the opportunity to work with adults and with the children who were going through divorce. So really that's where my practice kind of went. I also do couples therapy when they're not going through divorce, but I really liked this avenue to try to help people understand the process so they're not feeling so anxious about it, where all of that conflict comes from. Yeah, it really sounds like you've been able to take your own personal experiences and um, 
use that to obviously help establish what you do professionally. And I think that's really cool because not everyone is able to do that. Thank you. I feel like that's how a lot of people get into mental health. I feel like that's similar to other people we've interviewed on the podcast too, taking their own like life experiences um, and kind of using those to shape and gain more information to a specific area. And, you know, I was, my parents were divorced as well and they did it. I was very lucky, but there was so many opportunities and I can see how even with them doing it in what I would consider with ease, we were impacted and we were in therapy and we had help, right? But I can definitely see how for those more higher conflict ones, you could definitely be a huge resource because, you know, when there are kids involved, a large part of that divorce becomes co-parenting. So will you break down co-parenting for us and just explain at its core what it is? Sure. So there's a there's a couple of different ways that people come to counseling for co-parenting. Okay. One is it's ordered by the court. So they have high conflict cases that keep coming back for modifications and things like that, where the judge is like, you need to do co-parenting or attorneys suggest it. That's one way that they come. Another way is they come on their own, you know, free. We want to parent better together. There's some things that we don't agree on and, you know, there's very different personalities. So we want to learn the skills to work together to have a healthy environment for these kids. So it can be court ordered, but it can also be something that they come on their own, just realizing that there's probably a better way that they could parent these kids. A lot of times we have step parents that are involved too with co-parenting because you know, the parents aren't together, but then we introduce new partners to the mix. And sometimes that can put everybody in a tailspin. So there are times, many times that once mom and dad can co-parent together, we bring in their new significant others. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I think that significant others piece is such a big part of it, especially when we're talking about uh, the kiddos involved and how they are responding to it, you know? I've found in my experience, a lot of times kiddos are kind of just getting used to having the co-parenting in separate households. And then that's almost when that comfort, when a new partner comes into the picture. And it really is, like you said, Jen, almost this tailspin because of, okay, wait, I was just getting used to things, you know. It definitely changes the dynamic completely because then you've got new partners who have a different approach to parenting, Mm -hmm. maybe a more strict approach or maybe a looser approach. And it throws the whole circle off. Yeah. Maybe they have their own kids that now it's kind of a blended family. How does that work? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. And and, and sometimes in co-parenting, when the parents kind of get in sync, we bring the kids in. So it becomes a whole family model, you know, because the kids can say, this is what they're not doing right. Or this is what I don't like. And we can make new kind of boundaries and things like that with the kids present, which makes them feel like they're a part of the process as well. Well, exactly. And I think in a way, kids kind of have to be part of the process. But first, the parents need to get on the same page and figure out how are we going to parent together through this? Yeah, they definitely like lead by example, because everyone's adjusting and having to be flexible and learning, you know, new boundaries and expectations. But it can be challenging. And for a kiddo, adjusting can be hard. And they're looking to those adults, those trusted adults for how to manage that stress. Sure. And we find a lot of times, you know, parents are doing just fine parenting these kids for years. And then the dynamic changes where somebody gets remarried or somebody gets, um, you know, a a significant other and then they don't need it for, you know, seven years post-divorce. Then they come for co-parenting. 
That makes sense too. I feel like there's a lot of different times throughout the transition of a divorce or separation that therapy and that co-parenting resource can be helpful. Are there any common themes that you notice in your work when it comes to co-parenting dynamics? I think you see when people come on their own for co-parenting, you usually see it within a transition of a child developmentally, such as they're starting high school or they're going to college or they, you know, are starting school altogether, um, kindergarten. Um, A lot of times you see parents come at that point because they're thinking that they want to change how the custody schedule goes, because maybe it would be easier for them not to switch houses every two days with backpacks and things like that. So the common themes are usually developmental milestones for kids when parents find that they're thrown off balance. That does make sense because it would be like an increased time of stress for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about even the kids, like especially maybe high school or college age, they are probably processing the divorce differently than they would if they were in kindergarten. Right. So I think that their own way of processing it is probably a part of that transition as well. How does co-parenting impact the divorce process, though? So we're talking a lot about how co-parenting and therapy, right? is important and really impacts the kiddos, but how does it go the other way? So like, how does co-parenting impact divorce? So I think more the divorce impacts co-parenting. Okay. Okay. So if you have a super high conflict divorce, people don't want to co-parent together because it becomes less about parenting the child and more about getting back at one another. Mm. So that's how it really impacts the kids. And I tell people so many times when they come in, Love your child more than you hate your your spouse or ex-spouse. Powerful. Because it it tends to be the teaming up, if you will, the sending messages back and forth through the child to the other parent. Um, So really, I would say the divorce impacts the way that you're co-parenting. So I find that people who mediate or have a very low conflict divorce co-parent beautifully because in co-parenting and in divorce, the child should come first. Mm -hmm. And if you keep that child focused when you're you're going through your divorce, it's much easier and much smoother. Exactly. I like how you say keep it focused on the child because that's how these people are still connected anyway. And they're always going to be and they're going to need to figure that out. And something I've found too is like, I don't know that certain parents always want to admit this, but a lot of the conflict comes from feeling sad or angry and it's hard for them to deal with that and they don't want to admit that this person has made them feel this way and so then they get spiteful and want to get back at them and stuff and that becomes the focus and that's not okay yeah that's absolutely what happens in these high conflict divorces is they're angry and you know again I tell families you decided to get divorced your child did not decide that so what you can do is honor your child and make it the smoothest process that you can Mm. That that's such a good point. I think that a lot of divorce and navigating these situations, I don't know, in them, I guess, we have a lot of emotionally charged responses and a lot of anger and like we're very reactive and it just makes it really hard. What else do you think makes co-parenting hard? I think sometimes we see one parent with a personality disorder, which makes it very hard to co-parent with. And sometimes when that is too challenging, we suggest parallel parenting where you don't really discuss things face-to-face, but yet 
email through maybe a, a common site that's known to like through the legal system. One is our family wizard where, you know, you, you hope that they're on their best behavior because people like therapists are looking at it or lawyers or guardian ad items, things like that. But the most challenging is when you find that one parent really wants to parent these kids together and the other parent is just too angry or emotional to even um, have conversations with the other one. And really the person that, that gets hurt or the people that get hurt the most are the children because they want to then hold them, not let them play soccer because that's going to get back at mom or not take them to their events on their days because they're angry with dad, things like that. That's what really is a detriment to that co-parenting relationship. Yeah. Do you see that? Is that like follow up to that? Is that something you see commonly that there's usually like one parent who really is a little more angry or, you know, struggling more with the divorce than the other? Absolutely. And I think it really is, you know, when people come to me for co-parenting, I ask what happened to cause the divorce? So the unraveling of the marriage usually indicates how the parents are going to co-parent. Yeah. I like that you asked that because that's that's a really good point to make. What happened before it has a large impact on probably how they're going to manage it. But I also just think it's so sad that kids are almost used as like a pawn or like a manipulation piece, it sounds like, from you know, if we're using our child to get back at our ex, I don't know. It's like, the ch- like you said, the child didn't choose this. Right. The kids may not realize that when they're five, oh. seven, nine, ten, mm-hmm. but when they become 13, 14, you know, as they get older and they can put the dynamic together, I tell the parents that kids will make their own decisions based on how they were parented. So if you can parent, you know, co-parent together, the kids are going to have a great relationship with both of you independently. But if you can't, eventually they're going to realize who the parent that causes the conflict is or makes them feel most uncomfortable. And a lot of times it will turn out where a child distances themselves from that parent. So just what you're trying to avoid, you end up getting in the end if you can't co-parent together. Yeah, that's a really good point to make because it's one thing I really tell my clients, but it's also something I learned from my parents is like, if you instill you know, these morals and values in their child, in your child, as they age, they're going to be able to form their own opinions and they're going to reflect on situations and they will figure out exactly who that other person is on their own. If that is that person's true colors, you don't need to badmouth them. You don't need to show them where the other person's wrong. If your child is smart, which they, they will, they're intuitive, right? They'll figure it out on their own in time. And there won't be that resentment or that like, I don't know, distancing that you're referencing because they were able to do it on their own. Right, right. I think that there's a lot more sometimes like long-term impacts than people realize because the child might present, especially when they're younger, is fine in the moment. But in the long run, you might notice that there was some impacts. So it's interesting to think about. What else do you notice when it comes to co-parenting and, you know, navigating these challenging dynamics? What else do you notice or how do you notice it impacting children? I just think that they feel as though, you know, young children feel as though they have to choose. It also can really lead to kids being dishonest. So telling parents what they think that they want to hear about the other parent, because they're trying to just get the attention and the love from both parents. So they go to mom's house and they tell tales about dad or vice versa. And it really, it, it, it changes the personality of a child when parents don't co-parent well together. 
So sad. I think that's definitely true. And along with being dishonest, a lot of kids feel like they can't truly share how they feel with a parent because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And so they kind of turn into a people pleaser a little bit, but then like their own emotions get lost in all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think children should be responsible for their parents' feelings or emotions or especially their decisions. But that's hard when you're, you know, you see mom crying, you want to soothe her, you want to comfort her. When you see dad angry, you want to calm him or vice versa, mom angry, you know, dad upset. So it really pulls a child and it makes them very much wanting to change their personality for each parent. And then when they get older and they date, some of these things become normalized to them and choosing a partner is really hard for them. They, they really kind of, like you said, become people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like another long-term impact. I feel like is they're learning through those situations. And it's our job as adults to make sure they know they aren't responsible and set those boundaries and engage with them about it. Are there any myths about co-parenting that you think are important to point out? I would just, you know, co-parenting, if we're, if we're good co-parents, then why did we get to, then we shouldn't be divorced mm-hmm. or, you know, we can co-parent, but maybe we can't live together. Or when a new partner comes into the relationship, either mom or dad get involved with somebody and that co-parenting kind of goes flat it's because, you know, mom has a, a new partner and she doesn't want new partner to think that she's too friendly with dad. And, you know, so some of those myths, you know, some of those things that blow up the co-parenting relationships are things that that are truly just myths. You love your child, so you're co-parenting together. Nothing about your relationship. Yeah, Jen, what I also hear in those statements you're saying are just our own thoughts and feelings about the divorce itself, right? And maybe even some overthinking or not being certain about how we really feel about the future. Right. Right. And I think it's important when you're going through the divorce process, when you're co-parenting, that the adults be in therapy as well to process those feelings so they don't come out to the children. That's a really good suggestion. And with that being said, what are some tips you would often give to your clients when they come to you and ask for help in these areas when it comes to co-parenting? I think number one is try to settle things out of court because that is just such a high conflict arena anyway that it gets people really fired up. I find, you know, as a side note that when I have people that come in that are considering divorce or in the process of divorce, explaining the process to them because then they're less anxious about the length of time that it, you know, they have different expectations. And so that's what makes their parenting dip together difficult. So really giving them a timeline of how this, the whole process works. So tips like being into being in therapy and listening to your child, no matter what age, listening to them about what their needs are, you know, people get so stuck on 50, 50 custody. And although it's right, sometimes it's 48% instead of 50 right. because they're sleeping hours that are more, whatever, but listen to your child because they're telling you what they need. A child, you know, different children need different things. You take a child with ADHD and you move them every couple of days, their world is going to be spinning really fast for them. They forget a backpack, they forget a book. You know, there's lots of tips that I give parents um, in the beginning of co-parenting, in the beginning of a divorce that are super helpful. You know, some are uh, call the school and everybody get their own access to the school website. You know, try to do 
try to do parent-teacher conferences together. So you're both hearing the same thing and you don't feel like one's getting preferential treatment over the other. If your child's in sports, try to sit together at a game so that they're not nervous about what's going to happen in the stands. You know, I, there's lots of tips, you know, I could go on for days (laughs) that if parents just swallow their own pride Mm. can do for their child would make this process a whole lot easier. No, exactly. Like, I can't tell you how many kids I've heard who have said, oh, you know, like mom and dad are coming to my game or recital. I wonder what kind of scene they're going to cause. And that's just a shame. Like, again, that is not okay. And then, and also too, with parenting plans, like some people, it seems like they really have to follow it to a T, but it's not always going to be like that. Like there needs to be some flexibility and needs are going to change like as the child gets older. And like you said, every single kid is different and there's not like a cookie cutter format that's going to work for every single person. Yeah. And I think, I think that making the parenting plan fluid, if you can, people who co-parent beautifully together just have a piece of paper that says days and times. Mm-hmm. Right. Child wants to go see mom, they let them go see mom. They want to go see dad, they go see dad. But people who follow it to a T and rigid, you know, that's where sometimes it can hurt the child. Exactly. Yeah, you definitely like have to be flexible. And I also think with a lot of kiddos, it's important to look at their behavior because their behavior is communication. So if they can't communicate their needs with their or wants with their words, How is their behavior changing or are they communicating to you in that way? Because you're right. They're going to show you or tell you what they truly need. And I think just communication and being flexible is really important. I think that it really does best serve our children. I really appreciate you shedding so much light and providing so much knowledge on this topic, Jen. Are there any, you know, final comments or main takeaways you think are really important for our listeners? I think... The quote that I use a lot with families is my takeaway is love your child more than you dislike each other, because that way the kids are going to get through this better unscathed and the parents are going to get through it better. So just because you decide you don't want to be together does not mean that you have to be in conflict. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Jen. We learned so much from you today. This will be a great episode for our listeners. So thank you again so much for coming on. If you have any questions or comments about this week's episode, DM us on Instagram at Mental Health and You. Yes, thank you so much, Jen. I think this was super helpful and I can't wait to hear what our listeners have to say about it. So next week, we've got another Ask the Therapist episode coming up. We'll get into how to practice healthy emotional boundaries. It'll be a great one for sure. Thank you so much, Jen, again, and we will see you guys all next week. Bye. Bye.